Thank you guys for joining the Q Chat. Today, I have a very important guest. He's been on the show before, and we're going to talk about mental health. Of course, you know, unfortunately, we just had a terrible situation that occurred with Regina King's son committing suicide. So I wanted to go ahead and switch up my schedule, um, my recording schedule, because mental health is something that is really dear to my heart. So we just wanted to talk about, again, just erasing stigmas in, in our community, seeking help, you know, and hopefully we can help someone. So my guest today is Dame Dash. He is not your average therapist. And we're just going to go ahead and just, like I said, chop it up. So how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How about yourself? Thanks for having me. No, long time no see. Thank you again. Like I said, you're always super gracious when I I bug you to talk about, you know, something that's important to both of us talking about mental health. So of course, like, you know, like I said, this terrible tragedy you know that the world found out about this weekend I wanted to first just ask you again I know I just there's still I feel a stigma regarding mental health you know I hate when people use the term crazy or just I think sometimes in our community we're not very educated about anxiety depression different disorders what are just some of the steps you know if any that we can do to make the conversation more common so that we can just erase some of these stigmas in our community right absolutely i I totally agree there's there's still a stigma associated with mental health um we came a long way over the past i would say maybe decade or so Mm -hmm. to where it's come it's more of a mainstream conversation uh, where you got you know celebrities involved as far as advocating um to reduce the stigma as well as just a a global type of uh, stance in regards to mental health and more specifically here in the United States where we struggle often the most, you know, with just societal issues and different cultural backgrounds and it being a melting pot that it is. So um, just with the different perspectives, I'm glad that it's getting the attention that it definitely deserves because every single person, you know, has mental health, whether it's good or bad, we all, have mental right. health we've all been depressed we've all been anxious at some point in time we've all been angry um, mental health is not necessarily the absence of those things but how we cope how we deal with those things so um, just reducing the stigma associated with associated with people who may have moderate to severe type of episodes and ongoing symptoms is one of those things that I that I'm a huge advocate for And thank you so much for just breaking that down, because once again, I just think that's where some of the things stem from the stigma, you know, like you broke down, like there's moderate mental health issues, you know, everyone has mental issues, regardless, you know, we all have emotions, you know, so Mm -hmm. just thank you for breaking that down. Now, of course, you know, with the situation that happened over the weekend, well, the news that we received over the weekend, what are just some of the I guess the stigma is involved in suicide. I think sometimes people still feel like our culture doesn't commit suicide, which obviously is not true. So what are just some of the ways, I guess, that we can also just have the conversation in our community regarding suicide? Everyone is going through a lot 
right now. And it's hard for some of us to just handle these things, you know, that's happening in our world right now. So just how can we just make this conversation more common so that some, hopefully some people can be more comfortable and just seek help? Yeah, absolutely. Um, suicide is one of those things that it's a very touchy subject for, for a lot of people. Um, I guess regarding, you know, just the cultural standpoint from, from a religious standpoint, um, there, there are some implications with that as well. So I guess that's why suicide um, is really a difficult conversation to have. But, on, on, and on the flip side, I don't say but, but and on the flip side, we, are, we have to be conscious that suicide, especially within, I would say from 10 to 34, you know, it's a, it's a wide range, but it's the second leading cause of death. You know, from early teens all the way to late 30s, that's the second leading cause, cause of death. So it is one of those things that happens very often, you know, and some of them are not even reported or even not even reporting the attempts. We're talking about actual suicide completions. Um, so so it, it could be even more that the rate could be even higher when we're talking about attempts as well as actual completions of suicide. And one of those stigmas and one of the things that I've been working on over the past few years and a lot of mental health professionals and people in this field is trying to alleviate or eradicate the word commit, commit suicide, because it almost gives a negative connotation to suicide. Um, When you commit someone, that's when they've done something illegally, something wrong, you know, things of that sort. So it kind of shifts the perspective or the outlook on, you know, on suicide as this huge negative thing. I don't know if it relates to the religious perspective or just how we view death overall. Um, so now we, we're, we're going from committing suicide to death by suicide, you know? Um, so I, I think that's one of the hugest landmarks and one of the biggest things that we've been trying to eradicate, you know, over, I would say over the last five years, to say die by suicide versus commit committing suicide because it's something that you know happens but every every person or most I'm not gonna say every person but most people in general who have completed suicide it wasn't that the fact that they wanted to die a lot of people just don't want to feel that pain or that anguish that they're you know that they're suffering from and that's the way that they they choose to kind of end that pain you know, so so oftentimes we have to look at it from that perspective, you know, what they're dealing with um, from an emotional level, as well as from just from reality, their reality, and how they decide to um, cope with it or not cope with it at all. Um, so, so just trying to reduce and eradicate that stigma that that death in general, you know, um, or by suicide is, ha- has a negative connotation in it you know based on our perspective but from that person's perspective they just don't want to hurt anymore mm-hmm. right this is so such a heartbreaking situation can you break down suicide ideation because i think some people aren't familiar with you know ideation as opposed to like you said at the actual act of you know, dying by suicide but and i'm glad that you mentioned attempts as well because sometimes you know 
people attempt suicide and they aren't successful. They've received treatment, you know, but this, there's so many layers to it that a lot of people aren't aware of. Right. Absolutely. Um, well, again, like you said, there, there are different levels to it. Um, suicidal ideations is, is just having that thought of, you know, and it could be as something as simple as what would, what would the world be without me? You know, if I left today, would my family miss me? Or, um, you know, life isn't worth living anymore. Should, should I stick around? Should I leave? You know, type of thing. So just having those particular types of thoughts and not necessarily, it may include a plan as far as, okay, I'm going to take some pills or I'm going to die by, you know, a self-inflicted gunshot wound or something like that, or jumping off of a building. Um, when, when we start to move into that particular layer, that's when it's, you know, becoming more concrete and, you know, they're, they're, they're going past the actual thought, you know, like a wandering thought that kind of goes in and goes out you know, within a, within a couple of minutes are situational. Um, a lot of people, for example, like if you go through a, a really bad breakup or something like that, and it's like, well, if this person doesn't love me, then no one loves me. So why, why should I be here? That may be a thought, but they don't have an actual plan. You know, maybe I'll, you know, do something to, to end my life, you know, because of that. So ideations are really just thoughts. You know, they may be persistent thoughts. They may be thoughts that come in, like I said, you know, within a couple of minutes, then they dissipate over time, you know, and you kind of encourage or implement some type of coping skill to kind of manage that, or it, it, it elevates to an actual plan and actually having the means to do that. If you have a plan on taking pills, do you have access to pills? You know, whether that's Tylenol or anything that you have, you know, in your medicine cabinet. So it is different levels from the thought to the actual means to do it, the actual attempt. And then, you know, after the attempt, did you successfully complete it or, or not? So it's definitely different levels to it. Now, I know you mentioned, and I think as far as suicide ideation, a lot of people have had those thoughts, whether they choose to admit it or not, mm -hmm. you know, and I know you also just mentioned just some coping skills. What are just some coping skills a person could do? Because especially I feel like right now we're in such an extremely dark time mm -hmm. that maybe a person who may not have had any suicide ideation prior to 2020 may mm -hmm. have it now. Especially we, we see death on a daily basis now. And I just think it's it's just a lot, you know? So some people, they can't handle it, you know? So mm -hmm. I think some people have... I, I would think it's common whether, you know, some people may not want to admit it that they thought, well, well, what would happen if I were no longer here? You know, a lot of people are dealing with so much stress. What are some coping mechanism skills a person could use? Let's say they are just dealing with ideation. They may not have a plan. It's not going to make, it may not get to that point. Who right. knows? But what are some skills? Because I would assume if you have that ideation a lot, it could eventually, you know, escalate to having a plan and, you know, acting out on it. But what are some coping mechanisms for a person who are just, they're just at the, the level where they're just having the ideation, but they're having it a lot? Well, I mean, first and foremost, you definitely have to start at just the basics of just being able to acknowledge those are the thoughts that you're having. A lot of people, um, 
that have those ideations and like you said they may not admit it um it may progress to something you know a little bit more deeper as far as the actual action or you know having the means to do it but first and foremost having the ability to acknowledge that hey something is off i'm i'm not thinking normally um you know i'm depressed i'm anxious i'm a combination of of those things i'm feeling overwhelmed you know, first acknowledging those emotions that you do have. And secondly, you know, we move into that action phase. What are we going to do about that? Whether that's, you know, talking to a trusted individual, whether that's a family member or a friend to kind of talk about what's going on, what's leading up to these particular thoughts, because everything that we experience in life gives us a thought, which leads to our emotions. And then our emotions lead to our behaviors. So in order to correct the emotions and the thoughts that we're having we have to go back and think about the experiences that we've had that causes kind of draw these types of conclusions you know and and opportunities or alternatives to actually address it so so again first and foremost acknowledgement secondly doing something about it whether that's talking to a trusted individual or even a professional more so the latter I, I, I'm definitely a huge advocate, not just because I'm a therapist, but mm-hmm. I think everyone can benefit from therapy, um, whether that's just life transitioning, um, growth, where you want to go in life, things like that. It doesn't always have to be mental health related, but just from a grow, growing progress uh, and process, you know, implementing that type of treatment in your life, some type of self-care. And I count mental health treatment and self-care, you're taking care of yourself. So Um, doing those things but also being aware of where you're at as far as your mind body and spirit all three of those things are connected so if if your mental is off then that's going to throw everything else off that's going to throw off your appetite that's going to throw off your sleeping patterns that's going to throw off your relationships that's also going to throw off how you connect with your higher power so Mm -hmm. all of those things it's a trinity for me. It's mind, body, and soul. So when, when your mental is off, making sure that you're checking in on those other um, avenues and aspects of your life and making sure that you're, you know, the best that you can be in those in those avenues as well. Mm. Now, of course, you touched on something that's important to me as well, going to therapy, you know, and I'm happy that you mentioned it's vital no matter what stage you're in life. I just think... Once again, there's a stigma behind therapy, especially in our community. I know a lot of us were raised that, you know, with a religious background and sometimes mm-hmm. people feel like the two don't work together, you know, when they actually could. Mm-hmm. And in addition, I think sometimes people just associate therapy. Well, if you go into a therapist, you must be having like this terrible time in your life. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but you also could just go to a therapist just just for maintenance you know like like I've used the analogy in the past supposed to get your teeth cleaned every six months you're supposed to get physicals but we never put going to therapy and checking on our mental health in that same routine you know to make it more common so you know like I said that stigma behind therapy especially in our community is is there obviously I think the conversation is more it's getting better you know there's a lot of there a lot of celebrities who are very open you know they're the big advocates for mental health which is great mm-hmm. but just for like you know the average person people just still 
tend to have some level of shame behind therapy. They're afraid. They just think it's not good. They're against it. Just how can we, you know, once again, just I think a lot of things can just start with a conversation or just having some education behind it. Where can we start so that we can really normalize going to therapy? Right. I I think uh, one one of the first things uh, uh, that we have to start with is the conversations that we have in our home. You know, whether that's with your significant other, whether that's with your parents, whether that's with your children, being able to have open dialogue about actually how you're feeling. You know, we go we go throughout our day and we, you know, we pass by people. We say hello to people all the time. That's that's usually a combination. Hey, how you doing? But we aren't we honestly don't. be. We're, we're not too forthcoming as to actually how we're doing. We are often say we're fine. And we could be totally down in the dumps, you know, mm-hmm. so so making sure that we're making it a regular practice and a routine to check in with each other. You know, like I have on my on my shirt here, check on your strong friend, you know, check on people, you know, check in and see how everyone is doing. Have those conversations, breaking it down to the basics. You know, we're, we're used to social media. We're, we're used to sending DMs and text messages but not actually hearing the person or seeing them face to face. You know, we, we used to have a time, you know, when I was growing up, you know, people just stop by your house. You know, if they haven't heard from you in a while, they'll, they'll stop by the house and just check in on you. So something as simple as laying eyes on someone and actually asking them how they're doing and, and actually meaning it, you know, go, goes a long way. There, there have been a lot of situations over the years and I've been in this field, you know, well over 15 years now. Um, so we're just seeing that person help minimize, you know, some of their mental health symptoms. You know, they were depressed prior to seeing me and you never know that light that you have could be blessing somebody else. It can influence their, their emotions just by you asking them how their day is going or actually showing genuine concern and empathy for what they're dealing with, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think breaking it down to that simplest form, parents being able to have those conversations with your children, as far as their emotions, you know, their their willingness to be open, transparent, vulnerable, but you also have to be that role model for your children as well. Being able to be transparent and vulnerable, if you're stressed, if you're feeling overwhelmed, being able to have those conversations with your, with your partner, with your best friends, you know, with a trusted individual, so you don't feel like you have to keep it all in and be that strong person, you know, that strong Black woman, that strong Black man, or that strong person in general. I'm just not going to put it on Blacks right. um, as, a, as a collective, but we're, we're the group that always want to be, quote unquote, strong. Right. That, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're not absent, you know, of emotion, you know, we all have emotions, but being strong in, in our sense means that we're going to be able to withstand everything that life throws at us and we not budge or we not break down. You know, right. even the strongest person has that that breaking point, that, that boiling point. And right. oftentimes we wait too late to react or be proactive in those things because, you know, we feel like we got it. We're strong enough. We can handle it until it's a little bit too late so so making sure that this is a regular routine 
you know, being able to check in with your family, being able to check in with your friends goes a, a, a really long way. Oh, yeah. Now, let's say, for example, and I agree, you know, just checking on someone makes a huge difference. So let's say, though, there's a situation where a person, well, I, I guess it's a two-part question. Okay. One is just what are some things we can maybe make note of, you know, in our loved ones, you know, because sometimes there are signs that people may not notice until after something bad has right. happened. You know, like sometimes people have, they leave breadcrumbs just mm-hmm. in a change in their behavior, their mood. What are some things we can look out for? And then the second part of the question is, let's say you have noticed something with your friend or your loved one, but you're uncomfortable or maybe even afraid to talk to them because you may not want to offend them or you're not sure how they're going to react. Mm-hmm. What's the way to maybe kind of start the conversation or what's the best way to approach that person in a kind way, you know? Um, first part, um, some of the signs that you would see, and like you said, there are, there are behavioral ha- changes for the most part um, with someone who's experiencing maybe um, a depressive episode, um, to where that could lead potentially to suicide. Uh, you would probably notice a, a behavioral change, things that they used to be involved in, um, are interested in, they're no longer doing those things. Um, they may they may sleep too much. Every time you talk to them, they're either sleep or they just finished napping or something like that. They're, they're sleeping too much or they're not sleeping at all. It, it's one or the two. It's not a normal six to eight hour you know, type of thing. It's okay. I'm sleeping all day, or I'm I've been up all night. I haven't slept in 48 hours, type of thing, because their mind is just racing that much that they, you know, have insomnia. Um, that can be a, a big one. Um, maybe start if someone let's just say you love shoes, right, and you start giving your shoes away to like your friends and to your family, like, hey, you can have these shoes, like, these are my, my favorite ones, you can have them, and you notice small things like that, that that should raise an eyebrow as well, um, some people stop eating, you know, some people often kind of, like, starve themselves, you know, just to kind of, I guess, they're battling that, you know, I, I'm not exactly sure what it is, but they may stop eating, or they may overeat, right. um, Things like that, just to be wary of if they're not motivated at work anymore, that they, they're feeling like they're giving up. Um, they're not motivated to, you know, conduct daily hygiene. You know, things like that is just that that we normally don't really think about. If their school performance, you know, decreases significantly, if they were A students and all of a sudden, you know, they're flunking out of school, you know, those are those are some telltale signs that that something is going on um so once we recognize those those signs and, and being conscious of those things and being intentional then being able to have those uncomfortable conversations you got to be comfortable with being uncomfortable right until it becomes a norm um having those conversations about what you're seeing from your perspective i, I would rather someone be pissed off at me for bringing up a conversation you know, versus them being dead, you know, Mm. me walking in and finding them dead because we didn't have that conversation because they felt like they were alone. 
and a lot of people who struggle with depression, loss, even grief when we're talking about grief of a child, you know, losing a child or a loved one to suicide, they, they feel like they're alone in that fight. So, so being able to, again, have those conversations and making them feel like they're not alone. There, there are other people who are struggling just like them, you know, whether that be in a support group form, whether that comes with family or whether that comes with them seeing an individual therapist, a family therapist, how the family could help them cope with the, with the mental health disorders or illnesses that they're dealing with. Um, but be uncomfortable, you know, because with uncomfortability, become, you know, it becomes growth. You grow from that. You know, you have those conversations, those difficult conversations. They may be upset in that moment, you know, but long term, they're going to thank you for, for at least checking in and having that conversation, you know, in the long run, because they'll still be here. Mm. And as long as you're here, if there's a problem, there's always a solution. Mm-hmm. Outside of suicide, there's always a solution. So being able to bring it to them like, hey, like I've noticed that, hey, you recently quit your job. You love that job or you're, you're no longer playing basketball with us. Like what's going on? Like you're staying in the house, you're, you're secluding yourself, you're isolating yourself. You lost a lot of weight. Mm-hmm. And it's not because you're, you were trying to lose weight, you just wasn't eating. Mm-hmm. You know, so all of these different things, it, it, it may spark a flame. It may start, start that fire for that person to get the treatment that, mm-hmm. that they felt like they were afraid to get because of the stigma that's associated with mental health. So as long as you can spark that fire, I'm, I'm okay with being the bad person. You can paint me the bad person all day, but if you're alive, at least we can work on that relationship. Mm. We can communicate, hey, like, why did you feel that way? Or, you know, this was my intention by bringing this up. Right, right. Mm. Very good analogies. So one thing I want to ask you as well, like I said, some people who they, like I said, not very aware of the benefits of therapy they're afraid you know I've just heard some people like they'll try therapy like well I didn't like it and I'm like well what type of therapist did you choose you know I think some people don't understand like why would you choose someone that you're not even comfortable talking to like I just think sometimes for their own worst enemy so what are some things, you know, for a person who is unfamiliar with the benefits of therapy, but they are ready to take the first step to seek therapy, what are some of the things that they can look for in finding a therapist? Because I think a lot of people have this idea of a therapist as a, a stuffy white man and a tweed blazer, right. and a pie, you know, like, you know, with a little English setter dog, like, and right. that's not, you know, that's not it, you know, so what can they look for just to understand, you know, hey, that you can be comfortable, you know. Absolutely. Um, we, we've definitely transitioned from that Mr. Rogers look and, you know, that that crossing the legs and we got a pad in our hand and we may have a pipe in our hand too and just talking. You know, we're right. really far away from that. But, but, but you definitely hit the nail on the head. Um, definitely find someone that you're comfortable with talking to. Um, and I get that a lot. I get that a lot with the clients that I serve, um, that I see on a regular basis. They, they seek me out and oftentimes they may just be scrolling down a whole bunch of therapists online. So for example, going to like psychology today 
Um, that's one of the websites where, where, you know, we house a lot of therapists in your area and you can actually do a filter if you want a female, if you want a black female, if you want a male, if you want a black male, Caucasian, whatever the case may be, and whatever their specialty is or what your reason for therapy is, it filters out all the different therapists and brings you down to something that you can kind of choose from. So mm-hmm. a lot of people say, man, like I reached out to you because you, you, you look pretty cool. You know, mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I'm just being me. I'm going to be comfortable. I dress down. I, I hardly ever dress up. You probably have never see me in a suit at, mm-hmm. in my office. Now, if right. I, knew, I would, but I'm, I'm comfortable because I want the client to be comfortable. If I look like a prude and I'm acting like a prude and I got my nose stuff, you know, up in the mm-hmm. air, like I'm better than that person, then they're not going to be transparent and vulnerable with me. So, right. so being able to find someone and it's just like any other relationship, you know, you, you get into some relationships and sometimes it just don't work, mm-hmm. you know, and you have to be able to accept that, you know, you try, you try a therapist and it may not work. They may be more, more aggressive or assertive in telling you what you need to do versus allowing you to reflect and, and allowing you to make the decisions what's best for you. You know, right. some people like that directive type of therapy. You no, know, you need to do this. You need to do that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas some people don't like to be told what to do. Like give them options, give them different perspectives to look at the situation and allow them to make the decision for themselves. Like right. what works best for them. Because at the end of the day, even as a client, you're the expert of yourself. Right. I'm just the expert in, in the educational part of it. You know, I got my license and got my master's and all those things, but I don't know you. Mm-hmm. You know, you know yourself better than anyone. So you know what works for you and you know what doesn't work for you. And I'm just right. here to give you different perspectives on how looking at that. You know, so definitely don't be discouraged if you went to therapy before when you was a teenager and you hated it. And mm-hmm. now you're an adult and you're still kind of skeptical. Still try it out. Try it out. If you're more comfortable with speaking with a woman, find you a woman. Mm-hmm. Maybe a younger woman, maybe an older woman, maybe mm-hmm. a, a middle-aged black man, you know, mm-hmm. uh, whatever the case may be, you can actually customize the type of therapist that you want. You can right. go therapist hunting. If it's not working for you, you can tell that therapist, hey, I don't feel like this is working for me. Either right. I'm not being vulnerable enough or I don't feel comfortable being vulnerable with you for whatever reason and that's mm-hmm. okay right but once you find that perfect one you'll you'll feel it just like like i said in any other type of relationship romantic relationship friendship whatever when when you kind of click it works so mm-hmm. the same way you have to develop a rapport in a personal relationship you have to develop that rapport in a professional relationship as well just because right. i'm a therapist don't mean i don't have you know, personality and things like that and different attributes that you may connect with or that you may not connect with. Mm. Just like I have certain biases and, you know, things that I, that I'm not willing to do. I'm not Mm -hmm. willing to see a pedophile. I know that about myself. Right. Right. You know, so, so know what your limits are, know what your boundaries are, you know, and, and, and allow that to be your motivational force to, to find the therapist that you need for you. Right. And I'm glad you like related it like that, because I just think, you know, people just don't understand the importance of it. Like it's very vital who your therapist is. 
So make sure it's someone you're comfortable with and you're not obligated to continue anything with someone you don't like. But just in any case where you may have a therapist that didn't click, just don't stop there. So I'm happy that, you know, you broke it down like that. So the next thing is some people may think, oh, I can't afford therapy. So mm-hmm. can you just break down the resources? You know, because there's some therapists that have sliding scales. I just think sometimes make people may be discouraged saying, hey, I don't have health insurance. I can't afford that. You know, I, mean, I can't pay anybody to talk to them. So right. what are some of the resources as well out there for people? Right. And that's, that's definitely a real barrier for a lot of people. Um, during this pandemic, it, it definitely taught us as therapists you know, some valuable lessons for sure. Um, being able to reduce those barriers, whether that be transportation or from the financial aspect. Um, a lot of organizations um, provide um, scholarship opportunities, like we said, sliding skills um, opportunities as well. Um, a lot of people that have insurance, you know, they have high deductibles and high co-pays. And although you have insurance, doesn't mean that you can necessarily afford it. So, so being able to understand what, what your boundaries are financially, but also don't allow the financial part to be a barrier for you seeking treatment. I tell my clients all the time, if you can't avoid a session, I don't want you to go months without a session because you feel like you can't avoid it. We'll, 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 we'll worry about the money part later. You want to make sure that your, your mental health is up to par. Um, but going back to just resources, Definitely, if you are working, you know, most jobs, if you have benefits, they have a EAP program, an employee assistance program where, where you're able to get, sometimes it's eight to 10 free sessions, nothing out of pocket, you get those sessions, and if more is needed, then we'll just send justification as to why you still need it. So there, there are definitely opportunities for growth there are a lot of like we were like we were talking about with celebrities and things like that there are a lot of celebrities and people with big names that actually have platforms for mental health to provide scholarship opportunities you know if you can't afford you know you, you just apply and you know you get free sessions in your area i know taraji p henson does that um, oh, yeah. we've done some work here in this area with her um mm-hmm. Charlamagne the guy he has one as well oh, yeah. Uh, among you know a lot of different people is why I know I'm missing a lot of people but those are the two that just popped off in my head so do not utilize lack of finances or financial strain um to to you know not allow you to get the treatment that you need you know if you broke your leg I'm pretty sure you're gonna go to the emergency room right right that fixed you know Mm -hmm. so if something is wrong with the mental make sure you reach out because if you don't ask the question, nobody's going to tell you, mm. especially as far as scholarships and things like that. But definitely sliding skills, EAP programs, as well as um, just national mental health advocacy programs that are available out here. But mm-hmm. I, I would definitely start at like NAMI. That's one of the national organizations for mental illness. Definitely you can start there in your area, there in, there in every state. So make sure you check with them as well. And when you reach out to different therapists, just ask them, like, what do they offer? And you can say up front, hey, you know, the finances is, is pretty tight. You know, do you right. offer anything to assist with that? Mm-hmm. 
So before we end everything, and once again, like I said, thank you so much for just being so gracious and always supporting the platform. This is such an important conversation, much needed. Just how would you just like to just end everything? Like I said, this was just a rough weekend, you know, just, I just feel just everything going on when you just hear someone, whether you know them or not, when you just hear someone just lost their life, it's a sad, heartbreaking thing because I think all of us have gone through like the mental health Olympics, you know, like we've yes. been tested <laughs> greatly. So it's just a great level of sadness, you know, when you hear someone, you know, is taking their life or, you know, even at this times in the past, we've heard people attempted suicide. It, it hurts, you know, because it's such a collective feeling. So right. how would you just like to summarize everything for people who, just, I guess, just to make sense of everything, you know, we're all trying to figure this out, you know, and like right, I said, right. mental health is an important conversation, and I just, mm-hmm. you know, if I could have a wand, I would just wish that we could lift the stigma behind this and just be more comfortable talking about this. Right, absolutely. That That's the biggest thing. Continue to reduce the stigma. Everyone has mental health, just like we have physical health. Some are more detrimental than others. Um, it's just the thing with mental health is something that you can't see. You know, like I mentioned, a broken leg. You can see that I have a broken leg, but you can't see that I have a broken mind or a broken heart, you know, or I'm struggling with depression or, or anxiety or I'm hearing voices. These are things that you can't really quantify you can't see it you know with the naked eye so just because you can't see it doesn't mean that it's not there um so so being able to just you know acknowledge those things communicate let's talk about it continue to talk about it you know everybody has it it's almost like COVID everybody either have it or had it at least one time so it's the same thing it's kind of inside joke a little bit so um, but at, at some point in time, you're, you're going to feel one of those four, you're going to be happy, mm-hmm. mad, sad, or fearful. One out of four every day. It mm-hmm. just depends on what you do with it. Once you acknowledge what that emotion is, what do you do about it? You know, and, and mental health is, is sometimes it, it, it feels like it's a personal journey. It is self-discovery, self-awareness to being intentional but it also allows you to form a support group, you know, family, friends, your community, utilize those people as a network to make sure that you get the resources and the things that you need in order for you to maintain your own mental health, but also do things for yourself every day. I tell my clients to do something for themselves every day, whether that's rubbing yourself a bubble bath, going to get you some ice cream, going to your favorite restaurant or turn on your favorite song anything that's going to lift your spirits do something for yourself every day Mm. thank you again like i said i just it's just i don't know like it's just a hard time right now for everyone so you know it's naturally heartbreaking when we hear sad news like this so tell everybody how they can follow you on social media how they can reach out who knows somebody may have some questions they want to you know reach out to you directly at one other thing i think is important just I'm real big on just for our community seeing a black male therapist I personally have a black male therapist so I just think it's important especially just seeing our brothers in roles 
that just breaks stigmas alone is always a plus. So just tell everybody how they can find you. Yeah, you can find me on uh, my website, Damien Harmon, government name, DamienHarmon.com. <laughs> uh, you can find me on Instagram, natural average underscore therapist, um, Facebook, um, Damien Harmon. That's my business page as well. Um, Twitter, I think is I think is not your average therapist. All these different social media platforms. If you just Google me, all of them should show up there. You know, a whole list of them. So, um, but DamienHarmon.com is probably the first place to start. If you got any questions, um, if you need to reach out from, to me for you know therapy sessions or speaking engagements, anything like that, uh, podcasting. You know, I still have the Couch Seven Hundred Four. Mm-hmm. Now the second one, Blow the Whistle podcast as well. Everything mental health. We talk about mental health. So we, we're reducing it one day at a time because we talk about it all day, every day. Yes. Thank you. And I salute you, like I said, that because your profession is extremely important. So I definitely appreciate you. And just thank you just for doing something extremely important to help people. Because this is just, like I said, it's so definitely an important tool topic everything so just thank you again and thank you for this conversation and for everyone that tunes in it is okay to not be okay you matter we need you here so whatever it takes you know just to feel whole to be happy to have a peace of mind just don't let anyone reduce you or make you think that you're doing something wrong just to take care of yourself. You know, your mental health is extremely important. We got to check our hearts, our minds, our bodies. It's just super important. So thank you guys. And like I said, if you need someone to talk to, just reach out to someone, please. You know, just like I said, just don't feel that you have to go through things alone. So thank you guys for joining this conversation and be safe and go love yourself. Thank you. Go queen, go queen. Go queen, go represent. You're a queen, you're a queen, oh.